What you see is what you get. Hello, my name is Pastor Chris Miller, and I am your host on the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Hello, and welcome back to the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Well, this is the second installment of our series on relationships, Relationships 101. Um, uh, When I talked about this in service yesterday, I used a bunch of stage props to help me out as kind of object lessons, I suppose. But unfortunately, that doesn't translate well to a podcast, but we'll see how we go. Last time uh, we were in this series, we spoke about our most important relationship and the one which all others are based on upon, uh, at least for Christians. And that is our relationship with Jesus. And one of our main takeaways was how the commandments and moral precepts in scripture give us a roadmap to follow as we navigate life in a world where things are often tricky to navigate, uh, to put it mildly, I guess you could say. When we live by the commands and moral precepts we find in scripture, we will live in the best possible way. Things will not always be great. Life will not always be wonderful. But if we live God's way, things will be as good as they can possibly be. Uh, One of the many things commands moral precepts do is they help us to avoid self-inflicted injuries. Sometimes we might break a command and think that we are being punished for doing so, and the reality might be it's just a self-inflicted difficulty because we didn't follow God's commands. But the boundaries given us to given to us in Scripture are not about control, they're not about leverage, but they are boundaries that will help us have good relationships. That's one of the many things they are. And the relationship that we're talking about today is friendships, specifically the qualities that lay the foundation for exceptional friendships. I feel like the more transparent I can be, the better, Um, the more I can, I guess, let people know who I am, the better they're going to be able to relate to the things I talk about. And I want to preface uh, what we're talking about today with this. Pastors are probably the worst regarding friendship. We're terrible at being a friend and we are terrible at making friends. And there are a whole bunch of reasons for that. And some of them good reasons, some of them not so good reasons. Um, and I suppose I don't think it would really be helpful to dig into all of that stuff today. Maybe we could do that another time. But I say that to say that pastors are not experts on friendship, maybe in theory, but less so in practice. In their next installment, we're going to be talking about wives, which I know even less about. But the Bible gives us sound directions and boundaries for good relationships, including friendship. For me, when it comes to studying the Bible and drawing principles out of scripture that we can use in real world application, it's kind of my thing. It's like my shtick. It's what I enjoy doing. And I can still draw principles for good friendships from scripture and share them with you and myself, even though uh, I may not be an expert on friendship, I can find those principles in scripture. And today we'll draw several qualities that lay the foundation for exceptional friendships from scripture. And as we talk about these different qualities, something to keep in mind is that we are not only looking for them just in people we might consider to be our friends or considering for friendship, but 
we are also looking to develop those same qualities within ourselves. And it's important that we do that. We make them part of who we are to lay that foundation for exceptional friendships. It's kind of like gear we might take on a backpacking trip. I love to go backpacking. It's something I do. Uh, When I get the chance, I love to load up my pack, take off out in the bush and spend some time out in the wilderness. I love to go out, stay overnight, camp all year long, something I very much enjoy doing. And when I go, I need gear so I can make the trip. Now, an interesting thing about backpacking is that the people who do it, everyone mostly has a complete set of their own gear. Um, you don't you don't necessarily share things. Sometimes you can on a longer trip. You might do with other people, but we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, you are responsible for your own gear. You're responsible to have what you need, take what you need, so you can uh, be comfortable and have the things you need while you are out in the wild. Now today, one of the troubles I think we have in society, currently especially, is relying too much on how we feel to decide whether or not things are right, wrong, good or bad. Feelings matter, but they are also fickle and they change. They can be wrong and how we feel doesn't determine what's true. In addition to that, there are many who have come to mistakenly believe that not only do we base our perceptions of reality on how we feel, but also they hold other people responsible for how they feel instead of taking responsibility for their own feelings. And it's a strange mentality that says if someone else does something that makes me feel bad, they should change what they do so instead it makes me feel good. Everyone needs to adjust their actions to accommodate how I want to feel. Now that sounds ridiculous, but that's certainly happening. Instead of maybe I need to take personal responsibility for these things. People do things all the time that can produce different feelings in us. I'm sure you know that very well. But ultimately, I'm in control of how I react or don't react to what other people do and how it makes me feel. That reliance on feelings in determining determining what's good, bad, right, and wrong, and the belief that others are responsible to make me feel the way I want to feel has created a cultural quagmire of division and ministry. And again, as we look at the qualities that lay the foundation for exceptional friendships, we want them to be qualities possessed by those we call friends, but we are also responsible for possessing those same qualities ourselves. The first quality we're going to talk about today is, is simply the quality of good character itself. To be an exceptional friend requires the quality of having good character. It sounds kind of self-explanatory, really. Parents often talked with their kids about choosing their friends wisely, and we care about who our kids hang out with, but it matters who adults hang out with, too. Now, why is that? <clears throat> Here's why. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. We hear that, bad company corrupts good character, and think, yes, that sounds right. But Paul also prefaces that with do not be deceived. If you allow bad company into your inner circle, your close friends, that bad company will corrupt your character. That's how it works. There's no changing that. 
you and I are not going to do anything about that. And we might think, might ask the question, why can't my good character change bad company? Paul writes, don't be deceived. That's not how it works. Good character. Here's the reason for that. Here's the reason good character doesn't change bad company. Good character is hard to build. It's hard to keep. It's a lot of work. Living by the commands of Jesus and the moral precepts we find in scripture is challenging. We have to think about it. We have to work at it. We have to do it. We have to grow in that. And Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And you could probably spend a lifetime studying just that statement, figuring out what all that means, where all it applies and and how to apply that in your own life, figuring out how to do that. Taking up your cross is being self-sacrificial. It's self-denial. It's self-discipline. It's a call to something greater than yourself. And part of that is replacing our own material and carnal feelings and desires with biblical character. It's like putting who we used to be to death, but the old man doesn't want to die. And it's not easy and it's almost impossible when your friends are not on the same page. Bad company corrupts good character because it's easier to go downhill than it is to climb a mountain. It's easier to float downstream than it is to try to swim against the current. That's just the way it works. In the past, I've, I've done some a bit of mountaineering, some rock climbing a little bit. And these days when I'm out in the bush, it's mostly just backpacking, which I love. I love to do multi-day trips, traveling long distances on foot. I've climbed, you know, many mountains in different parts of the world. And there's nothing like the view and feeling of accomplishment when you summon a mountain. When you get to the top of the trail and you get the view and all the wonderful things that come along with that. But getting there is not easy. Building good character is like climbing a mountain with a backpack. It's not easy. And if the person with you doesn't have the same goal to get to the top, to get up the hill, you will either part ways or you will go back down the hill. Good character doesn't change bad company. That's not the way it works. You will not drag or carry someone to the summit if they don't want to go. It's far easier for them to stop your progress or drag you down the mountain than for you to drag them up the mountain. So much so, I think it's it's just about pragmatically impossible to carry someone else and their gear and your gear to the summit. But it's relatively easy for someone to drag you down. <clears throat> Paul says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. And the word he uses for corrupt there means utterly destroys. Bad company utterly destroys good character. That being said, good character is not self-righteous condescension directed towards bad company. That's not what it means. Don't allow it to manifest like that because if you do, then you become the bad company. But here's a catch. As Christians, we are faced with a, a bit of a conundrum in what Paul says here. We're commanded to connect with people to show them God's love and share the gospel with them, even if they, yeah, even if they have bad character. And Jesus is an example of that. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. And in the day's culture, having a meal with someone was was more meaningful than we understand in our culture. We kind of understand that. I mean, we kind of get it. If you sit down to a meal with someone, that's that's kind of meaningful. But it was it was much more so in the culture of the New Testament. 
That's why the Pharisees uh, were so appalled when Jesus ate with the sinners and tax collectors. That's why they were so upset about it. Jesus connected himself with people who were considered to be bad company. You might remember uh, last time in this series, we discussed how Jesus brought love and commands together. He was asked, what is the most important commandment? And he answers, love God. And the second one's like it, love your neighbor. In saying what he did, Jesus makes love and commands inseparable. The, the two go hand in hand. You can't pull them apart. The Pharisees and modern day legalists say, okay, you can't associate with people like that. You can't be around bad company at all. That's commands without love. Some modern progressive Christianity, some modern progressive Christians use Jesus eating with sinners as an excuse to toss out the commands and moral precepts of scripture and say, oh, well, it's all just about love. Neither approach is correct. The commands and love are inseparable. If you lose either one, you pervert both. Jesus didn't hang out with tax collectors and sinners just so he could say, man, I love you guys, while they spend their money on prostitutes. Jesus has both love and commands, as should we. The Bible tells us he ate with tax collectors and sinners not to affirm their behavior or take part in it, but so he could call them to repentance. There was purpose in what he was doing. He loves them and having a meal with them, especially in the day's culture, shows them he loves them. But he also says to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. A call to repentance is a call to change your mind to agree with God. Jesus loves them but he doesn't compromise commands to do so. Neither should we. We can certainly connect with all kinds of people. We act in love and in a way that proves that love, but the connection also has purpose, a call for repentance and belief in the gospel. Love God, love your neighbor, keep the commands. Call to repentance, belief in the gospel. And yeah, that's not easy. So that was a little bit of a diversion about from the qualities that uh, lay the foundation for an exceptional friendship, but an important one nonetheless. We have a responsibility to develop good character and be selective about the quality of our friends, about the people we allow into our inner circle who influence us. Because the people we bring into that space in our lives today will influence who we become tomorrow. And if we think that's not gonna happen, we're kidding ourselves. When Jesus calls out his first followers, he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now we all know that's obviously a metaphor, but you can't be a fisherman and a fish at the same time. That's not how it works. Now imagine instead of someone wanting to drag you down the mountain, instead they wanna help you up. They wanna help you reach the summit. Even when it's difficult, they wanna help pull you up the mountain, you're going to help pull them up the mountain. And they're, they're someone you can lean on. On a difficult trek, there will be times when you think, what have I gotten myself into? Why am I doing this? And I've been there so many times out on, you know, long bushwalks and treks and climbing mountains and different things. And kind of in the middle of the trip, I'm going, why on earth did I decide to do this? What am I doing here? Why am I doing this again? But you know, you know, and life is sometimes like that, but that's okay. Sometimes we question, sometimes we struggle. That's entirely different though from turning back and going back down the hill. It's okay to struggle. It's gonna involve struggle. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12 say, 
Two are better than one because there is a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, then one will help up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, then they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm by himself? And if someone might overpower another by himself, two together can withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Every one of us has times when we feel weak, times when we feel like we're not going to make it, times when life is very, very difficult. Just talking to someone just this morning who, uh, whose mother died, and I'm sure they're feeling that way today. And in those times, we can lean on a friend who possesses the qualities of loyalty and strength. And they can help us get through. We can do the same for them when their turn to be discouraged comes. Now, if we slip and fall and end up on the ground on our back, a friend can help us get back on our feet when we lose our footing. A loyal friend is someone who is firm, someone who is constant. Loyal friends stay with each other throughout the journey. They reach the summit together. They don't give up on each other. My wife and I have had this conversation many times, but one of the most valuable things we can have in life and something that we all need is we need someone who we know and we can trust who is going to be loyal and faithful no matter what. They're not going to give up no matter what happens. I'm loyal to you and you can always lean on me. And we need someone who's unconditional like that. And that's how things should be in a marriage. And sometimes things can be like that in a really good friendship. And when that matters is when you're at your lowest. And a good friend possesses the quality of strength. Strength is more than just physical ability. The characteristics of strength and loyalty often manifest themselves as endurance, a willingness to to endure, a willingness to be there for the long term. When you endure and lean on each other, you're both stronger even when one of you is weak. As Ecclesiastes says, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Two good friends and the Holy Spirit are definitely a threefold cord. Um, I hear something that is. Verse 11, this is more just for fun than for sermon, but it says also if two lie down together, then they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm by himself? That reminded me of something that um, <laughs> I did years ago. Um, I have a, a lightweight quilt I take backpacking and I use it in the, in the summer and oh, I suppose early fall, late spring. It's it's way too light for the winter time. Um, it's not very warm and you know I go out often by myself. My wife doesn't do backpacking, so I'm on my own sleeping out in the bush. Um, she uh, uh, she has gone camping with me. I mean, she definitely has done it. And if I asked her, she probably would, but uh, she's not a fan of sleeping outdoors. But I remember back when I was in the Marines, cuddling up under a poncho liner with two or three other Marines to stay warm. And some might say, oh, I'd never do that. And I was, because you've never been that cold. If you're cold enough, you'd do it. Trust me. Anyway, on, on to other things. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 11 says, so comfort yourselves together and edify one another just as you are doing. In first Thessalonians five, Paul is uh, encouraging the Thessalonians. He's lifting them up. He's giving them some encouragement saying, you know, we've got the return of Jesus to look forward to. Um, anyway, yeah, he's encouraging them. He's lifting them up. 
And one of the things I do when I go backpacking is I bring something along that I normally don't eat. Matter of fact, it's pretty much just reserved for backpacking. I have um, a Snickers bar that I carry in my pack and take it with me um, or, or something like that. Usually it's a Snickers bar. And why do I bring it? Because it's good for morale. You know, when you're out there in the mud and the mozzies, the leeches, uh, all those things are a little less bothersome while you're eating a Snickers bar. Life is just better. It's encouraging. It's uplifting. Maybe it's just the sugar. But encouraging and uplifting are also qualities that lay the foundation for an exceptional friendship. And a biblical word we might use that means something similar is edification. And edification means to build someone up, to help them grow. It means to help them improve. And there are many ways that can be done, but a couple of ways to be encouraging, to be uplifting. And good friends do that. I heard someone say that one way you can tell someone is an exceptional friend is when they find joy in your success and they find joy in your well-being. When someone is genuinely happy to see you do well, that's an exceptional friend. Not many people are like that when you think about it. Uh, we're often jealous and competitive when it comes to the success of others. Um, and pastors are notorious for that. Um, I mentioned that there are times when you go on a journey and during a difficult part of the journey, you think, what have I got myself into? And you may even want to quit. One thing I found about that is that usually during the times I've wanted to quit, I'm, uh, I'm way out in the middle of nowhere and it's not really an option. Um, I'm about as far from the trailhead as I can get. But an encouraging and uplifting friend is always good for morale and can help us get through the I want to quit parts of the journey, the I want to quit parts of life. And I've also found that the I want to quit feeling sometimes tends to trade back and forth between friends. When one friend is in a place where they say, I'm so tired of this, the other friend says, come on, we can do it. And the qualities of being encouraging and uplifting laid the foundation for exceptional friendships. Now, I mentioned that usually in backpacking, everyone pretty much has their own complete set of gear. Everybody's mostly self-sustained. But sometimes if you are going on a trip with a group of people, you might share a few pieces of gear because some things in carrying multiple pieces of something that kind of can be used by everyone can be kind of redundant. And when you share some pieces of gear, you can make everybody's uh, load lighter. You know, there's some things that everybody needs. Everybody needs their own, you know, sleeping bag, so to speak. But not everyone necessarily needs to carry a water filter. Everyone can use a water filter. That's something everyone can share. And as long as we are all staying together, we can bring a little less care, share a few things, and make everyone's load a little bit lighter. And if you and I are going to go on an adventure and you say, you bring the water filter, and I say, okay, sounds good, but I don't. And when we leave, you ask me, did you bring the water filter? And I say something like, what, don't you trust me? But then we get several Ks in and well away from the trailhead and we, we need water. And it turns out I didn't bring the water filter. We're in trouble. Best case scenario, the trip is a bust and or we have to turn around, hike all the way back to the car, drive home, get a water filter, fiddle around, all that stuff. Worst case, worst case scenario, I've put us in real danger. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, 
but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Truthfulness and accountability lay the foundation for exceptional friendships. We need someone who will be truthful with us and allow us to be truthful with them, even when it's difficult. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And that walks hand in hand with speaking the truth in love. And being truthful is what makes you trustworthy. From a biblical perspective, truth always matters. Truthfulness is a quality that we should always possess. And we certainly would hope that our friends possess it and we're truthful with our friends. We should always tell the truth no matter who we are speaking to. But accountability, that's a little different thing. It's a little different than being truthful because it's not something that we share with everyone. Accountability is something we allow. It's almost like a gift we share with someone else. And it's usually mutual in both ways, but it's not something we share with everyone. I made the mistake earlier in my ministry of, well, allowing myself to be accountable to too many people and some people that I shouldn't have. And in doing so, I thought I had to take all of the criticisms I received to heart. And uh, there were plenty, but sometimes we, we feel that way, feel like we need to take all these criticisms to heart. And that was dumb. Don't do that. Sometimes people are wrong. Sometimes their opinions really don't matter that much. And maybe you've heard this as well. Don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't go to for advice. That's, that's sound advice, but exceptional friendships are built on a foundation of truth and accountability. I'm not going to let some random person wandering down the trail rummage through my gear, but I will let an exceptional friend look through my pack, check my gear, and make sure I have what we both need because I'm fallible. I can make mistakes and sometimes I need reminders. Truthfulness, accountability, encouragement, loyalty, strength all lay the foundation for exceptional friendships. And I think there's a, what would you call that? Almost a sub-foundation upon which that foundation is built. Those qualities are the qualities of unconditional love and forgiveness. Ephesians chapter four, verse 32 says, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Whenever I go on any of my adventures, I take a PLB with me, a personal locator beacon. It's the one piece of gear that I take that I never ever use. And I hope I never have to use it, but it goes on every adventure with me, whether it's uh, here, there, out to sea, wherever I might be going, I always take it. I just had it serviced and the battery replaced and it's good until 2030 now. So a lot of battery life in it. But if I'm out somewhere, I get hurt, snake bit, separated from watercraft, whatever might happen, I can set this beacon off from anywhere in the world and it communicates my location to a satellite or a network that in turn reports my location to the closest people who have the capacity to come and rescue me, which is a good thing. It doesn't make the wilderness less dangerous. It doesn't take away my responsibility to make good decisions, but it makes things far more forgiving when I get myself into trouble. And like I say, fortunately, I've never had to use it. I hope I never do. But if I do get in trouble, it gives me a way out. It's not going to be the end of me if I mess something up. And a friendship shouldn't end 
when one person messes something up. All the other qualities we've talked about are built on love and forgiveness. There are times when we do things wrong, we offend, we hurt our friends, sometimes, most of the time, probably unintentionally. And if a friendship lacks the qualities of unconditional love and forgiveness, when we do those things, the friendship will end. And that's a real shame. Now, I say unconditional love and forgiveness. And of course, in relationships, we, we have boundaries. God's commands are boundaries for relationships. If someone treats you poorly or is abusive, unconditional love and forgiveness doesn't mean you keep allowing them to do that. That's not what it means. But we do know we're going to mess things up from time to time. We're going to forget the water filter on the backpacking trip. And we're going to have to hike back and we're going to have to drive home and get what we need or the trip might be a bust and we might be angry with each other and those things are going to happen. But unconditional love and forgiveness being I'm going to forgive you and love you anyway and you're going to do the same for me. And when we're able to do that, the relationship continues. Well, I hope you found something useful in that and what we've talked about today. And if you have, maybe share it with a friend. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please consider subscribing and sharing this with someone who might find it helpful. 